0: in our Bibles to so Luke chapter 19 we're going to be verses 28 to 40 I believe but uh, we're going to read Luke 20 or 19 and 35 to start. To 35 says, and they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus there on. Today is Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday before Easter. So we're going to talk about uh, worship is contagious because contagious is a, it's a word we use. <laughs> let's uh, let's pray. Before we uh, go any further, again, let's pray that God's will will be done in his word today. Jesus, we thank you, God, for your presence, your spirit that's here, and God, I pray that you would continue to minister through your word today. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, and God, make everything clear, I pray, God, that there be, uh, let your will be done, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated if you want, or you can stand whole service, it's fine, I always stand. Um, but today, like we said, hand off, smooth. Today is um, it's Palm Sunday, which is the uh, Sunday before Easter, which um, it celebrates the triumphal entry, and the story of the triumphal entry, because we like to give Bible stories names and titles. Um, it's in all four of the Gospels. It's when Jesus makes his way to... Jerusalem riding on a donkey like a king, but different because it's a donkey. And so we're going to uh, go through the story and hit some points on the way before we get to the main points, so be patient, we'll get there, Um, but I think it's important to kind of tell the whole story so we know everything that's going on. So verse 28, it says, uh, when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. So we're focusing on Luke's uh, version of this, but in in this version, it carries on from the previous story, which was the story of Zacchaeus. If you read through Luke, and Jesus, he's met Zacchaeus and he said, you know, salvation's coming to your house, and uh, he gives a little lesson on salvation. And then because uh, people are assuming that the this kingdom that Jesus has been uh, teaching about and talking about for a while, it's going to suddenly appear. He and tells him a parable about the kingdom of God and uh, about him going away to establish it, about servants being told to obey and conduct business, and one guy not doing it, talks about the citizens not accepting the king and judgment, and all kinds of fun stuff. And then Luke. And these other things that he had thus spoken. That we just read. So he continues uh, his way toward Jerusalem from Jericho. And 29 says, and it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples. So he continues on this journey, and they come to Bethphage and Bethany, which is where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. And if you read, I uh, read John's version, chapter 12, Mary anoints Jesus' feet there. But they stop here at Bethany, which was at the base of the Mount of Olives, about three kilometers from Jerusalem. And he calls two disciples. It doesn't say which two. Maybe it was Judas and Thomas. That would be great. The two favorites. Maybe, I don't know, Peter and John. I don't know. But it was a couple of disciples. And he tells them to do a thing. In verse 30 to 31, he says, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which you, have, at your entering you shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you why do you lose him, Thus shall ye say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. So he gives them some instructions. You know, go to the village. You're going to find a colt. We know from the other versions it's a donkey colt. And you're going to find uh, this colt that's never been ridden. It's never been broken. Uh, and you, I want you to untie him and bring him here. And if anyone asks you why you're doing this, just say, because the Lord needs it. Because that... <laughs> Yeah, the Zechariah 9 and 9, says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, uh, righteous and having salvation, as he humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. So there's a prophecy that this sort of thing was going to happen, that the king was going to come riding on a donkey and not just, you know, a full-grown donkey that's been trained, but on a colt. And all this was prophesied beforehand, and this is all coming to pass because... As we know, the Word of God always does. When God says something, it's going to happen, so remember that. Luke is writing to the Gentiles, if you remember, and um, he kind of just leaves out the reference to the prophecy because they wouldn't really know it or understand it, know what's going on, so it would probably maybe distract them from the big picture. Um, but the others refer to it. But in this, um, this donkey has never been ridden before. It's it's not broken yet. And if there's anything that we know about donkeys, it's their what? Stubborn, right? Uh, I did a little research. I don't have a donkey. I know some people do. But um, a little research about riding donkeys or breaking donkeys. And donkeys, um, and they will not take well to force or fear training. You can't, I guess scare them to do what you want them to do. You can't beat them to do what you want them to do. Um, They will remember that. And uh, many, a good donkey has been ruined by training, not conducive for a donkey, but more for a horse or a dog. So if you want to train a donkey, you have to make friends with it. You have to gain the trust and respect from your donkey before you start to train your donkey to carry a rider. And so. It should be trained to walk with the lead, and it should be friendly and tame. You know, ideally, that's what you want. You don't want to get kicked. Um, And training should be in a calm and individual manner. So if you're in a hurry, you get a donkey, you want to train it to walk, you know, ride a couple days, forget it. Buy one that's already trained. This is what the experts say. Training an animal to ride or drive takes time. And Some people think they can take an unbroken donkey to the lake, get on, and ride it out. Good luck. Is what they say. So for this whole thing to be happening, it's pretty, pretty remarkable that Jesus is going to ride on this donkey that's never been broken. That takes, you know, weeks to train in order for someone to do this. He's going to ride it. That it's pretty incredible that the owner even says, "Yeah, go ahead." You know, that it's incredible that this whole thing happens. But Jesus, as we see throughout the Gospels and. Even in our lives, he has a habit of taking things that are a bit unusual that maybe we wouldn't use and uses them. And most kings would have come parading into town on a big, you know, beautiful horse, but not Jesus. He uses a humble, young, unproven donkey. And most of us, you know, we would pick out this person um, to do something, the outgoing one, the... Son of a preacher, man. The super loud, you know, super religious guy. That's the one we would use. God uses shepherds and tax collectors and fishermen and even Pharisees. But generally the people that we don't expect. And I think that's pretty awesome um, that he does that. He never does things the way that we think he showed or the way that we maybe would. But he does them his own way. And that's why, you know, we can't, uh, we can't. Judge what he's doing or allow ourselves to be frustrated when it's not going the way that we think it should because it never does because God's going to do it his way which is the best way so we need to get out of the way and let them have his way <laughs> Luke 19 and 32 says and they were sent their way and found even as he said unto them again this comes to pass the thing that Jesus said would come to pass does as if there was any doubt and everything he said they found the cult no problem but this comes down to obedience doesn't it like in order for them to find the cult and to find things the way that Jesus said they would they needed to do exactly what Jesus said right if they didn't go where he told them to if they didn't look where he told them to look if they just said yeah that sounds a bit ridiculous let's go get a horse Nobody rides a colt donkey. Nobody does that. Let's go, let's go get a donkey that's been ridden on, on. No one will know the difference. Oh, look, there's a camel. That's way better. Let's, like, if they had done that, it wouldn't have happened the way that it was supposed to. Right? They, they wouldn't have found the thing that they were looking for. And sometimes we can have the tendency to, I know we won't say this out loud, but think that we know better than Jesus. Jesus says something. Maybe, maybe we're praying. Maybe you know, it's in His Word. We see, aha! I, uh, you know, I think I'll do this way. This, this instead. Another way. I think I'll try this. And it's not exactly what I'm supposed to do, but it sounds good. And this seems like a better way to me. Then it's probably going to work out better if I do it this way. And you know, when we do that, when we go our way, we think we know better. We miss so much of what God wants to do. Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach. I'm going to go to Tarsus. But then he's in a big mess. Right? Don't gather more manna, he said, than, than you need for a day or it'll go bad. And then some of them do it anyway and it goes bad. Oh, crazy. Don't take anything from the enemy. And Achan does it and it gets swallowed up by there. Don't look back when you leave. While well, its wife does, pillar of salt. Disciples, all of you will abandon me. Not me, says Peter. Yes, you will. And he does. Sell all you have and give to the poor and follow me. And the guy goes away sorrowfully. If we would just listen and just follow Jesus and obey and trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean on to our own understanding and all the ways acknowledge him, he will direct our paths. And so these two do exactly what Jesus says and what he says happens because that's how it works. Because they obeyed. because they, you know, as simple as it sounds, they, they obeyed to see if his word would come to pass. And we can't ignore the word. You can't ignore what Jesus says and, and then expect his word to come to pass in order to find... we got to do what he's saying we need to do. First yeah. thirty 33 and 34 says, As they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. This is my favorite part of the story. It's like these guys, these two disciples, they come up to the donkey, and they start untying it, Which is just, you know, you look at your window... And there's these two dudes just taking your donkey. What would you do? (laughs) And the owners come out and they're like, hey, what do you think you're doing? Or if they were Canadian, uh, what's going on, bud? (laughs) What are you doing, bud? Why are you untying the colt? (laughs) How's she going, eh? Oh, Jesus needs them. And so, they're like a donkey They would have been used to transport and to carry things. You know, this would be like someone coming out to you, you know, coming into your yard or something. And there's these two guys just starting up your four-wheeler. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, Jesus needs it. No big deal. We'll be back with it. What would you do? (laughs) You go out and someone's hot water in your car. Oh, God told me to do this. He really needs it. You call the police, probably, or... You had stop them or try. Depending on who you are, you may get a little physical. And I think, you know, we, sometimes we kind of read these stories and just kind of brush over these characters like that donkey's owner and the roles they play. But these, you know, these two disciples that these guys didn't know, you know, they come in the yard and they take their donkeys because the Lord needs it and they let them. And obviously Jesus wasn't going to send them to some cantankerous old cuss that would threaten them and fight them you know, come out with a I don't know, they didn't have shotguns but come out with something he, you know, he led them to the right people but still, these owners had to let the disciples take the donkey, they had to allow it to, to happen, they had to submit to the plan of Jesus and no doubt, you know, they've heard about Jesus and, you know, they've Uh, Heard about some of the things that had been done. They lived in the same town as Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. You know, some pretty big things happened with Lazarus. They probably would have heard, you know, Jesus had been there. Everyone knew what happened to Lazarus. Everyone, you know, every time they saw him or his sisters, you know, they'd be reminded of the story. And they probably, you know, they might have known the prophecies. And most people... At this time, we're looking for the Messiah. And I imagine when Jesus started doing some of the things he was doing, the interest, you know, in the prophecies peaked because that's how people are. Wars start and everyone starts reading Revelation. Everyone's an expert on prophecy. You know, that's what happens. So all these things start happening. I imagine they go to the synagogue and they're learning more about the. Anyway, so, so, but they let that they let them take their donkey. And this morning, I know. I don't know how many minutes we're in. We're 15 minutes in. We're finally getting to the main point. This is just a journey. And this morning we're talking about, about worship. And worship begins. This is where this whole story kind of begins, really. And worship begins when we submit to the Word of God. And it begins when we, we step aside and we let Him... Have his way. This is what every character so far in the story has done. We talk, you know, when it's Palm Sunday, we talk about the palm branches. We, we love the verse, you know, the rocks will cry out. We talk about, you know, shouting Hosanna and all these things, and it's important. And that's all part of what we call worship. But it starts here when somebody submits to God and his will and his word. I had, you know, I had plans for this cult, but Jesus needs him. All right, I'll let him take it. I had plans for my life, but Jesus wants it. He wants to do something. Okay, I'll let him do it. That's where it starts. And when we we step back and we we raise our hands and we let go of control, our control, it's not about me anymore. It's about uh, the Lord has need of it. It's about what the Lord wants. It's about what he deserves. And it becomes about Jesus and not me and not my plans or my stuff. And that's where worship really begins. It starts when we take our hands off of our stuff and our lives and our control. And we submit to Jesus and whatever he wants. And this starts with the two disciples and the owner of the colt. And they take it back to Jesus and the other disciples in verse 35. That's where we read at the beginning. And it says they brought him to Jesus, the colt, and cast their garments upon the colt. And they set Jesus there on. So they bring the donkey to Jesus and then what? The disciples, they cast their garments on the colt and Jesus sits on. They throw their cloaks. And a cloak or a coat or a garment in those days was your identity. Different occupations, different groups wore different things. We know that beggars had a garment that they would wear. Kings had things that they would wear. Priests had things that they would wear. You could tell who a person was generally by what? they were wearing you could tell you know their their status in society by what they were wearing and there was there's significance in the coats Joseph he had a a special coat a colored coat that his brothers almost killed him over David took his off and danced and embarrassed his wife and Bartimaeus and Mark he throws off his garment when he goes to see Jesus the prodigal son comes home and the father does what he gives him a new coat or an identity and worship starts when we realize that this is about Jesus and not about me. And it continues when we lay down some things. We lay down our garments or our cloaks or our identity and who we think we are and how others see us. We need to be willing to lay that down for Jesus and worship. Him. And without that outer garment, everyone will look the same. And they didn't take off all their clothes. They had. They could, it was a coat. <laughs> they had other clothes underneath. So without that. You know, uh, the other garments are pretty much the same. And and without it, you couldn't tell who was a priest or a Pharisee or a king or, or a fisherman or a beggar or whatever. And if we're going to truly worship Jesus, then we need to realize that none of that stuff really matters. And right now, our world is obsessed with identity and gender and race and politics. It's just... Wild. But when you are worshiping Jesus, you are a worshiper. You're not white, black, Jew, Greek, Gentile, Canadian, Filipino, French, English, indigenous, male or female, liberal, or conservative, or some other third thing. You are a worshiper. And unless we're willing to lay down our identity and stuff, it's not going to be the same. We can't worship our identity and Jesus one of them has to go. But if we're going to worship Jesus truly none of that matters. We need to be able to lay lay it down. We need to be able to realize this isn't about me, this is about the king. This isn't about who's looking at me and how people see me. This is about the king and what he deserves and it's it's not about what I look like or what I sound like. It's about him. And we will Never be able to truly worship the way we're supposed to until we're willing to lay ourselves down. Our pride, our appearance, our reputation, our identity. And look what happens when they do in verse 36. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. So some disciples, they spread their coats for Jesus. They laid them down in worship for the king. And when, as they went, more people began to do it. The people on the sides of the road, they started to do it. As well, because worship is contagious. It starts with the owners of the donkey letting Jesus have his way, obeying the word of God, and it continues when some disciples lay down their garments and it spreads while others start to lay down their garments too. In Matthew's version 21 and 8, it says, And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them. In the way, so some of them might not have had their outer garment or something, so they they started to cut down branches and 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 put them in the way too. So a crowd gathers and they start they all start to do it, and uh, it's generally believed that they wave palm branches, hence Palm Sunday. Um, But I haven't found anywhere in the Bible where it says they waved them. That's just what people say. Um, But nonetheless, this whole thing just spread. Because it's contagious. All it takes is one person that's willing to step out. All it takes is one person that's willing to lay themselves before the king. One person to submit to his will. And one person to start it. it only takes one spark to light a fire. Worship will will spread when somebody is willing to just lay down everything they have for the king. Matthew 29 and 9, it says, And the multitudes that went before and, they, and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means save us or Savior. It literally means save now. And the crowd started acknowledging Jesus as their Savior. But it started with worship. It started with them laying. When the disciples... Worship, people started to get a revelation of who Jesus is. And that's why it's important when we come together that we spend time in worship. I don't know about you, but hold on. a lot of people, when they, you know, God does something. In a service, they get the Holy Ghost or they get healed or something it takes place when people are, are worshiping. And we get a revelation of who He is and our faith rises and God can do anything in those situations. This all started with a guy letting Jesus take his his donkey. And it grew to the disciples, and now in Matthew's version it says it multitudes can't even count how many people were there. Don't underestimate the importance of simply obeying Jesus. Don't underestimate the importance of simply submitting your will to His. I doubt the guy who owned the donkey thought it was going to get this big. He just had a donkey. He was just willing to let the Two random disciples take it. I doubt he thought they'd make a Christian holiday because of it. We'd still be yammering on about it a couple thousand years later. I highly doubt that's what he thought would happen. Sometimes we can be unwilling to to step out or unwilling to obey or unwilling to, to worship because I really don't see how this is going to make a difference. You're distracting everyone. This is the main part. This is where we head home. <laughs> Sometimes we're, we're, we, we don't want to do it because what's it going to do? It's not going to really do anything. No one else is really going to, whatever. It's just, it's just I don't really see how this is going to change anything. But again, like we said earlier, Jesus does not work the way that we think he should, or he would, or he will. Luke 19, 37 to 38 says, When he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that comes in the name of the Lord. Peace, peace in heaven and glory in the highest, and the whole multitude they begin to praise and rejoice and worship quietly. No, <laughs> with a loud voice for all the things that they had seen. And so, when you're when you're struggling with with worship, just remember the things that you've seen. Remember the things that God's done. Remember the video we saw of Sister Dross walking when they gave her a five percent chance to live. Let alone. Recover. If you can't think of anything, I don't know about you, but I read with my eyes and I can see in the Bible where God's done some pretty awesome things, some pretty incredible things. So I guess technically I've seen the words at least, so I I can start there. There's no shame in that. The whole thing, just keeps growing and growing worship like we said it is contagious one person starts, it's not long until someone else does, it's not long until another, another does and soon everyone's doing it and soon we're all in the presence of Jesus together praising rejoicing for the things that we have seen, blessed is the king that comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest now don't forget somebody may get upset because that's people somebody's not going to like it. Bartimaeus cried and they were like, hey, be quiet. Verse 39. Some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke my disciples. There's always a party pooper, isn't there? Felix is the one today. But if we, we just need to ignore them because they're wrong. Worshiping Jesus is never out of order. It's always time To worship. Verse 40 says, And he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And Jesus said, This thing's growing so much that if I tell them to stop, the rocks themselves are going to cry out. That's how much this is spreading. It's going to spread to the stones and the rocks because it is contagious. Worship is important. A church without worship is a dead church worship brings us closer to Jesus and puts the king in his place It keeps us balanced It puts us in our place and it starts with one person but it will spread And so, so we end our service we're going to, let's stand we're going to just spend some time this isn't like, you know, one of those everybody, I don't know we're just going to spend some time in praise and worship and we're going to sing some songs together Jesus is here. The King is here. And it's up to us how we're going to respond. We can respond like the disciples and we can worship. Or we can respond like the Pharisees and say, you know what, this is a bit much. I think we should stop this. And uh, But the choice is ours. We're going to step out and worship and lay down our pride, our identity. We're going to worship. Or we're we going to do what the Pharisees said. Worry what the Pharisees will say. The choice is yours. It starts with one. And all we need to do is step out, all we need is one person. And it will it will spread. It will explode. It's contagious. It will grow. And if no one if no one does, then it won't. Because that's how things press.